0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Gameprint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast.
1: Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
0: Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode four hundred and sixteen of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, June fourth, twenty nineteen, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June seventh, at Priority One Podcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Skiffy.
2: And I'm Anthony.
0: Skiffy, it's great to have you back on the show this week. Thanks for joining us.
3: It's good to be here. Well, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week, Skiffy? This week, we're trekking out the creative process of Star Trek Discovery's behind-the-scenes stars. Then, we hear from plain, simple Andrew Robinson, and William Shatner has some thoughts about returning to the captain's chair. In our Star Trek Online and gaming news, there's some major changes coming to special events in the game, and Star Trek Timelines is launching a new mega-event. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, before we move forward, we do have a very important announcement to
0: make. Effective Tuesday, June 11th, Priority One will be moving our live stream recordings up to 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll be going live before and right up until Mission Log Live starts their broadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern. So if you haven't already watched us record live, it's certainly a much different experience than what you've been listening to on Fridays. And we encourage you to join us in the chat and be a part of the show.
2: And if you haven't thought to, we encourage you to open Hailing Frequencies and reach out to us. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Captains, we
0: do need to take a moment to thank our patrons, listeners like you who offer a financial contribution from month to month to this production. Because of them, we are able to keep the lights on and upgrade equipment to make sure that you can continue to enjoy the quality content you've come to expect from week to week at Priority One Podcast.
3: Captains, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways that you can help the show We're looking for volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we're looking for audio editors to help clean up a segment or two. We currently have a great team working hard each week, but many hands make light work. Shoot us an email to incoming at priority1podcast.com with audio editor in the subject line
2: And now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse
3: Please, uh, then let's trick it out.
2: With
0: nomination round Emmy voting set to begin on June 9th, Star Trek Discovery is doing one final push for the board's consideration. And they aren't just showcasing the talent in front of the camera. The promotion team has rolled out visual effects video breakdowns, tweets featuring up-close photos of props, and of course, interviews. This week, Star Trek Discovery lead costume designer Gersha Phillips sat down with Variety and Forbes to discuss her contributions to the show. When asked about introducing the familiar 23rd century Starfleet uniform, Phillips told Variety, quote, right away when I knew we were going to do it, I thought the best thing to do was to use our style or cut of what we were doing for Discovery, and then just reinterpret it in the Enterprise colors, end quote. Forbes prodded about what was upcoming in Season 3. Gersha said, quote, I would be shot if I told anything. Obviously, everybody knows what happened at the end of season two. So we are going to be somewhere not in our time where we are now. That's something that we know. I think that's all I can say, really. It's going to be interesting and different, end quote. For a full link to interviews, which
3: cover Klingons, Talosians, Nike, and more, Check out our show notes. Gersha Phillips wasn't the only behind-the-scenes talent to discuss their craft. Star Trek Discovery composer Jeff Russo talked with Deadline about his approach to, and love of, composing. On his approach to composing, Russo told Deadline, quote, At the beginning of any
1: project, I like to read a script and then start sketching out thematic ideas, you know, music for either the the entire show or the entire movie music for a specific character music just to sort of get me into feeling what the
3: what i think the the project is about russo also said he didn't like to be quote totally on the nose with something end quote expanding on that thought quote i do like to let the story tell itself i never want to be ahead
1: of the story or leading to me the stakes are always told by what's on screen i don't like to tell um an audience member how high the stakes actually are. Because if you're not getting it on screen, then I feel like we're faking it. On Star Trek in particular, Russo said, quote, There's a lot of action in Star Trek and we don't like to play all the action all the time. Like. What interest, why would that be interesting? It's like there's a lot of action, so let's play a lot of action music. We don't have to do that. There's an emotional content in in anything that's going on action-wise, and what are people actually feeling? You know, If somebody were actually in a fight scene, they'd be scared probably, so maybe you wanna play the fear of it, or they think they're gonna die, so maybe you wanna uh, play the tension or the mystery of that, um, as opposed to just big, drums playing along with all the pace that's going on. For a link to the full article and video interview, check out the show notes.
0: I have to admit that something that I enjoyed most from Star Trek Discovery was the underscoring of some of the scenes. Uh, the music was moving, and just as he said, it just it, it, it guided the audience towards the direction that the plot and the story was taking you instead of pulling you out of it. Um, so from a from a listener's perspective, it was just right. It was that Goldilocks zone of composition where it didn't pull you out and it didn't distract you from what was happening on screen, but it did make you notice and go, ooh, that's really good. That's that's I, I would buy that soundtrack.
2: Deep Space Nine's behind-the-scenes documentary, What We Left Behind, due out on DVD and Blu-ray on August 6th in North America has catapulted the series back into the public spotlight. This week, Andrew Robinson, the actor who portrayed Plain Simple Garrick, sat down with Star Trek Magazine to discuss the franchise's third installment. Robinson discussed Garrick's ambiguity, saying, quote, I think that whatever the character said is not what he meant. Much of the truth of Garrick was like a glacier. You saw only the tip of the glacier, but then underneath the tip was the very complicated truth of his life. So playing that subtext, living with that subtext, presenting that subtext behind a mask of affability, of friendliness, of congeniality, I think that was both the challenge and the pleasure of the character. In discussing the difference of Deep Space Nine, Robinson talked about its nuance before saying, There was another episode where Captain Sisko comes to Garrick for help with the Romulans, and basically it exposes the American innocence, that we want to do these things in the world, but... We're not really willing to take the consequences of our actions. It shows us that sometimes we have to do very dirty things and we have to hurt people and we pretend that that doesn't exist, that Americans would never do that. We dealt with issues like that, and I don't think the other shows really went as far as we did, End quote. For the full interview, follow the link in the show notes. Yeah, I agree. I really think that Deep Space Nine took the ideals of Gene Roddenberry's utopian society and pit it against an imperfect galaxy. And it really showed what kind of a struggle you would need to have to maintain, you know, the ideals of the Federation Starfleet. And, and it really kind of showed things in a different light, you know, for good or for bad. And I, I found that very interesting, very dramatic and very compelling.
3: Yeah, I, I think Garrick's role in the entire Deep Space Nine story was um, very well, uh, well crafted and uh, played perfectly. Well, that brings us to our first community question this week. Do you think Star Trek Deep Space Nine went further than other Star Trek series in dealing with hot-button issues? Let us know by commenting on our website at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO416 or by replying to our social media posts.
0: Speaking of characters in the Star Trek franchise... William Shatner has not let time slow him down. The 88-year-old Canadian-born actor has had an interesting relationship with Star Trek, and if he gets his way, that relationship may not be over. Ever. Sitting down with Como News Radio's Charlie Harger, Shatner discussed his health, co-star Walter Koenig's raw nerve appearance, his music, and his interest in returning to Star Trek. Harger asked Shatner if he would ever consider returning to the role of Captain Kirk, to which he replied, quote, I certainly would. You know, a, a well-written thing? I certainly would. Absolutely. End quote. Track out the show notes for a link to the full interview transcript.
2: Well, Captains, that's it for this week's Trek It Out. Now, let's see what's happening in the world of Star Trek gaming.
0: Captains, before we move on to gaming news, we do have to take a moment to thank our sponsor. Game print. It's no secret that starships tend to be one of the best characters in the Star Trek franchise. And now you can start building your own customized fleet to display at your office, at home, in your home office. Heck, hang it from your rearview mirror. What's important about Mixed Dimensions and Game Print is that they allow you to customize your starship to be your own. And I'm not just talking about the registry number and the name of your ship. I'm talking about shields, hull type, colors, you name it, you're able to do it through GamePrint.net. Just log into Star Trek Online, visit your ship tailor, pick the ship you want to own a physical copy of, and just upload it to GamePrint.
2: But you don't need to play Star Trek Online to print a unique starship. Whether it's Romulan, Andorian, Vulcan, or Klingon, you can explore an immense library of ships that players have already uploaded to GamePrint.net. Best of all, you can rename that ship to whatever you want, with whatever registry number you decide on. With options starting at just $19.99 for a four-inch color print and the reintroduction of their hand-painted models, there's no reason why you shouldn't add a unique starship to your collection, customized just for you.
0: So, you know, one of the other things that are really interesting and awesome about these ships and in relation to your gameplay in Star Trek Online is that now in Star Trek Online, you can level up with a tier six ship right let's say you start the game and you are desperate to fly the defiant well now you can and you can take the defiant with you from level 1 to level 60 which in and of itself is a very personal experience for a player imagine now being able to print that ship the one that you've become attached to and displaying it proudly on your coffee table or, again, in your office. That's what makes this so personable. You're not getting a cookie-cutter ship that everybody already owns. You're getting something that is unique to you.
2: And as a special offer for Priority One listeners, you can use the coupon code PRIORITY20 at checkout and save 20% on your order. So don't let deciding on which ship hold you back from 3D printing a new fleet of ships for you to display proudly in your office, home, or wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. Remember, that's code PRIORITY20 at checkout to save 20% off your very own... Customize starship just visit their newly designed website and browse through the library or upload your very own ship from within the ship tailor in star trek online
0: so visit gameprint.net and start building your fleet today and we thank GamePrint for their support of priority one podcast
1: computer status report status incoming message
0: i'm only in
2: the mood for good news today
0: in an effort to streamline events Cryptic is unifying its special events and featured TFOs in Star Trek Online. Events like Crystalline Cataclysm, Into the Breach, First Contact Day, Kobayashi Maru, Mirror Invasion, and Sampek Arena will eventually be folded into the featured TFO schedule and will presumably grant TFO commendations instead of their specific event currency. If you had any of those currencies in your inventory before this week's game update, you may have noticed... They're now gone. However, if you had any event reputation projects queued up, they should fully complete and grant you the rewards, regardless of the amount of progress you made in them. This change will not affect the anniversary event projects. As for items in the weekend event store or other special event rewards, those will eventually be obtained from the Phoenix prize pack. Be sure to start praying to Jesus.
3: Yeah, this is big.
0: It is big. Let me, let me understand this. Any project that you had slotted from a special event, like any of the old crystalline catastrophes or cataclysms or Into the Breaches...
2: Or Mirror Universe Invasion or any any of those projects that you had started... Other than anniversaries. Other than anniversaries. So anything from any of these specific events...
0: Like the one that gave you Hakiv and the one that... Like mm-hmm. all these, right?
2: Most of these come with 50,000 dilithium. If you had any of them slotted, regardless of your progress... It doesn't matter if you had one, or zero, or fourteen, or however many. It will complete and grant you the full rewards.
3: Wow! Yeah, that's good. I've got two of them. I mean, uh, I've got a couple too.
0: Yeah, I've got, I've got a, I've got a few that I never finished. I, I definitely one of the Crystallines, Definitely one of the the mirror. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. But. I think it's double-edged on we were all under the impression that either you were never going to finish these projects ever again because those rewards were not going to be reintroduced in future repetitive events or some players may have discarded the project thinking that they were never going to be able to earn those rewards again those commendations or whatever the mark would be the currency was and now lost out on the
3: potential reward. Well, see, yeah, those are the ones, those are the people that will really be uh, disappointed, but now they'll have an opportunity to get it through the Phoenix Prize Pack. Yeah, uh, if you discarded your marks, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that that sucks. It just plain sucks. But for the people that were holding on to their project, I think a lot of those people did that because they knew the next time that event came around, they'd have a chance to put their marks into that project. So if it's slotted, they automatically get the reward. So bonus without having to grind it. So that yeah, it's it's a it's a bonus with very few downsides.
0: Now here's the thing about the F- with the Phoenix Prize Pack, any of those items are tradable, right? So I could. I don't remember. Potentially get one of those items from the Phoenix Prize Pack by buying it on the exchange. I think
3: their account bind on... uh, Or not account. I think their character bind on equip. And that was the difference between the Phoenix Prize Pack and the uh, the event stuff. Is the event stuff, when you completed it, it became an account unlock. The Prize Pack usually only gives you a character unlock. But I that we we don't know what could ha- what will happen with that at this point.
2: So in our show notes we'll have a link to the 10 Forward weekly show where they announced this and they kind of explained some stuff. Uh, the the Phoenix prize pack items are not account unlockable.
3: Okay, so for certain if you want this on multiple characters from this week's update forward, you would have to get it multiple times from a Phoenix prize pack.
2: I, be- I believe that is correct, yes.
3: Now, here's here's what is good about the Phoenix prize pack. The tokens you get from the Phoenix prize packs are account uh, bound. So you can yes. put them in your account bank yeah. and transfer them to other characters and then open the, the uh, store from that character. Yeah.
2: I think the biggest negative in this is uh, a lot of those items in the weekend event store are now moving over to the Phoenix Prize Pack. And therefore, as we just said, will be very hard to get on all of your accounts. And some of them are the set. There's sets in there. There's yeah. the Sompack ground set. There's the prolonged engagement set. So there's there's some really sought after items in there that if you didn't get up until this point it's going to be hard to get some of those sets because those phoenix prize packs do not are not that generous when it comes to those you know very rare ultra rare and uh, epic tokens
3: and and that's the thing i'm disappointed in is because i i'm one token shy of buying out the entire weekend event store so <laughs> there's there's going to be something i miss out on
0: well that brings us to our next community question for this week What do you think about the changes to special events and future featured TFOs? Again, let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO416 or by replying to our community question social media posts on Facebook or Twitter.
3: And with no time wasted, the Crystalline Cataclysm is back as the current featured TFO, along with the Tier six ship coupons. Completing the event daily 14 times will earn you the Black Ops Mine Launcher, which has the ability to launch both Blackout Mines and Blade Mines, a great addition to any Section 31 agent's arsenal. The event has already begun on PC and will last for three weeks. Console captains will be able to take on the Crystalline Entity later this year. And don't forget to keep an eye out for a bonus coupon weekend. Those have a tendency to pop up without much warning. Now, I'm confused... Because aren't there two... There's two different crystalline events. There's Cataclysm and a second one. There's the one that's always available, and then there's the one that is a featured TFO.
2: Yes. Crystalline Catastrophe, I believe, is the one that's always available. And then Crystalline Cataclysm is the one that rotates in, as we've seen here with the featured TFO.
3: Okay, okay.
0: And now, Captains, in a bit of some disappointing question mark news... Since our interview with Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, and our discussion about future changes to Star Trek Online, we even dedicated an entire segment to speculate about what those changes may be. We were under the impression that they may have been mechanical, something that altered or enhanced the gameplay or the nature of gameplay in Star Trek Online. But, in a tweet to us from none other than Al, Captain Gecko Rivera himself, he says to us, quote, To be clear, before this blows up, the change is not a mechanical one. That is, the gameplay of Stowe will not change. It's a change in story slash backstory, end quote. Too bad, so sad it blew up, Al. Now you're going to have to do a mechanical change to Star Trek (laughs) Online to keep up with Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. We kid, we kid. But Al, thank you so very much for clarifying that to us uh, via Twitter. Now we know that nothing game changing is necessarily happening to Star Trek Online, at least not in the way that we play, but instead in Star Trek Online's story. Now we'll just have to wait and see.
2: And now for some upcoming events. Starting on PC, from June 13th to June 17th will be a bonus XP weekend. And scheduled from June 20th to the 24th will be a research and development weekend. And for console captains, Operation Repost has begun. It started on June 6th and will run for three weeks as the featured TFO. And from June 13th to June 17th, you can expect a junior officer appreciation weekend.
0: And now, it's time for our weekly top tip.
2: In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our weekly top tip. Last year's Crystalline Cataclysm has returned as the current featured TFO, and we wanted to throw out some tips for those players not familiar with it. The TFO itself can run fairly quickly if everyone remembers these three things. Number one, ignore the Tholian ships in the area. You're there to take down the crystalline entity, so just focus fire on your target. Number two, do pay attention to the large crystalline shards flying around. If they catch you, they can dish out some pretty hefty damage. Number three, when the crystalline entity gets to 66% and 33% health, it will start an absorption period of about 30 seconds where it will be immune to all damage. This absorption period is followed by a large energy discharge. As soon as your bridge officer tells you that it's absorbing energy, stop firing. If you continue, you'll only be charging up its energy discharge attack. There will be a red circle around the entity indicating the blast radius. It's around 10 kilometers. Try to get beyond that when the blast happens. Unless you're a cruiser or a sturdy science ship, you probably won't survive the attack. Once the discharge is finished, go back at it. And here's a bonus tip. Kinetic damage is better in this situation. All damage is good damage, but if you have an extra torpedo lying around, or a kinetic
3: cutting beam that's not too busy, throw it on just for good measure. In other gaming news... This weekend, Star Trek Timelines is launching its player's choice month-long mega event. The Month of Hell will combine a faction event this weekend, a skirmish event starting June 13th, a galaxy event the weekend of June 20th, And ending with a hybrid faction galaxy event on June 27th. This mega event also coincides with the launch of the Windows app for Star Trek Timelines. You can already play Timelines on Android, iOS, Steam, and Facebook. And beginning now, you can download through the Microsoft Store.
0: Now, uh, so here's a question that I have. If you play it on PC, does it sync across all the platforms? Yes. No, right? How would it?
3: How do you sign in?
2: You you have a Timelines account. You have a username and, and password. Or you're, you're using your Google, you use your Google login for it. Like if that's how you signed up for it when you originally started it.
0: And Captains, we do want to take a moment to point out another app that would allow you to play virtually any Android game on a Windows 10 machine or a Mac OS machine. The app is called BlueStacks. You can visit BlueStacks.com for more information. This app essentially acts as an Android emulator, allowing you to download and play Android games right from the comfort of your desktop. I've already tried it with Star Trek Fleet Command, And I have to say that the experience is a little more enjoyable than what I have experienced on my own phone. And I do carry a Galaxy Note 9, which is huge. But still, I don't find myself hunched over my phone that often. So. If you are interested in dabbling in Star Trek mobile games, perhaps BlueStack is for you. Now, we don't have any affiliate program with them. It's This is just information from gamers for gamers. But check them out. It's BlueStacks.com. Links will be in the show notes. It's a free download, and all you need is a Google Play account to start trying Android games right from the comfort of your desktop.
2: That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming.
1: Message coming in, sir.
2: Hailing
3: frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
0: Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages.
2: Episode 415's community question was, what do you think is the big change coming to Star Trek Online that Al talked about? And just so you know, you're all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to burst your bubble.
0: (laughs) That's right, Captains. As we mentioned in Star Trek Online news, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera was quick to tweet us back to let us know that it was not mechanical, but in fact, a storyline in Star Trek Online. Be that as it may, you did not fail or falter and answered our hails. On Twitter, Alfred Green wrote in, everyone busted down to Captain Galactic Alliance forms exploring Andromeda.
2: I feel like this is the elevator pitch for an unused
3: Gene Roddenberry show. I was going to say, that would be an interesting crossover, actually. (laughs) From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes, I would love to see the faction wall modified or removed.
0: You know, I was thinking about this. You know what else I would like to see removed? I really don't like instances. I was thinking back, and when I was listening back to last week's episode, and we were you know thinking and theorizing about what the possible change could be, and we were talking about the faction wall removed and whatnot. And then I mentioned that thing about social, the social aspect of Star Trek Online. I think that one of the most detrimental things to Star Trek Online was its instancing and the fact that there are only ever 30 or so players at any given time in a social zone.
2: They actually just, ing- they're increasing the number of players in instances uh, up over 60.
0: But that's not everywhere, though.
2: Yes, as I was just about to say, that with the exception of Earth Space Dock and Deep Space Nine, everywhere else will be Oh possibly what, possibly city? the first city. Yeah. Like those three zones, but everywhere else will be sixty. Druzana Station, Ryza, Nimbus, all of those areas will be over sixty now.
3: Elijah, I, I'm curious how you would handle instancing how you would prefer that be handled. Honestly, I would prefer
0: servers. You know, like two or three servers that you had to pick. I mean one of Ooh. the you know, in some of these in the classic MMOs, one of the the most exciting decisions you had to make was Oh my gosh, what server am I going to choose? You think back on some of the sunsetted MMOs, City of Heroes included, you know, one of the things that people talk about in, in Facebook groups and whatnot is, you know, what server were you on? You know, all, everybody on X server, raise your hand, you know, like this, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's part of the MMO experience, in, in my opinion. It makes for social zones to be way more dynamic. Right, If I'm on Earth Space Dock and it's flooded with people, that's great because I might actually start a conversation with somebody. Now I log into Earth Space Dock and it's it's not really the case.
3: I have to completely disagree. I think, uh, especially for an MMO like Star Trek Online, the fact that servers segregate you from a a section of the community pretty permanently. And a lot of the, the old MMOs used to charge. You could pay to move from one server to the next. But, gosh, I, I really like the way Star Trek's uh, Online is handled sur- instancing, because if I, if I see a friend online, I could just click a button and, and be with that friend, or add them to my team, and when we go somewhere else, they'll just kind of magically be in the same instance as me. I think it would be horrible to have to choose, because what, what if Anthony ended up on server A, and you ended up on server B, and I ended up on server C, and we're never able to play, play together again? You see what I'm saying like you know who who do we not know today that we'll know tomorrow that would be on a different server and then you have to pay $15 to move (laughs) and leave all your friends behind that you've already made
0: I just wonder what can be done in Star Trek Online to make it a more social experience
3: I'll definitely give you that because I, I would love. I miss the old days. I was actually just thinking about this yesterday. I miss the old days of uh, where STFs where you you had to communicate to people to complete uh, complete them, and you know you never wanted to be the person that that screwed the pooch and and uh, lost the the STF and everybody had to start over because you couldn't get your elite rewards. You never wanted to be that, but at least you were communicating with everybody. Now I happened to drop in to a, a pug group. Uh, yesterday, where uh, right out of the gate, instead of everybody being completely silent, somebody in team chat made a joke and started quoting uh, Spaceballs. And, and it just... We all went nuts the entire time. We all just said quotes the entire time while uh, while grinding out the marks, and it was great. It was the First time in a long time that a pug group has been social for me.
0: You know why this is fresh to my mind right now? This whole social thing is that City of Heroes, the emulator, right, the crowd-developed emulator, it has been hitting the MMO headlines in recent weeks and months. And I logged in. I logged into the City of Heroes MMO, and the moment you get into Atlas Park, everybody's talking. Everybody's chatting to one another. It's it's it just there's a magic in social zones that I feel so missed and has never been able to really recover.
3: I gotta say, I don't think your issue is technology-based. It's because we all found Sulu. (laughs) Good, good reference. That's awesome. No, Elijah, I don't think your issue is necessarily technological. I think it's with the people that play. Uh, See, what you've hit on in City of Heroes are the absolute fans that have taken the time to patch up an emulator and log into something that uh, is very, very nostalgic to them. And so they are going to be more sociable because it's it's a much more tight-knit group.
0: That's a good point. You're right. You're right.
3: And, you know, I, I can only hope that someday we we have that same experience with Stowe. I mean, maybe Stowe will be going forever, which would be awesome. Yeah, it's it's more about the people. From
2: Facebook, Jace Pentad writes... Hey, Jace! All in-game soundtracks will be changed to ballads. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting is actually uh, on the last the last few April Fools' days, they've changed the sounds, the beeps and the boops to, uh, I believe it's Jeremy and uh, Ambassador Kell doing the beeps and the boops themselves. Oh, yeah. It's for the entire day.
3: Every button you click on in the UI has its own unique sound. If you do powers, uh, Bridge Officer Powers, like they they do power-up sounds with their mouths, and they do power-down sounds and firing sounds, explosions. Yeah, it's great. It's so funny. From Twitter,
0: Drogon1701 writes in, I'd guess a backstory shift to align with whatever they're doing for the Picard show, or maybe the Klingons joined the Federation but still stay separate for gameplay purposes.
2: I think they've hit on the right thing. I think that Al knows what's coming in future Star Trek television, and I think he's he's taking the Star Trek Online story in a direction that will bring it in line with that, which may cause some, some retconning. But as we've seen in the past, Star Trek Online is not afraid to use time travel in their stories and in their gameplay.
3: From Twitter, Ash writes in, Interesting indeed. I'm pretty confident it's in relation to the events of the Hopus supernova. How it affected the Romulans and the entire quadrant in general. And we may possibly have a refresh of the Romulan sector space map showing the devastating effects it made.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, they are redoing the they just redid the cutscenes and some of the Romulan story arcs. You know, maybe they're just going to continue on with that work and maybe we're going to get some kind of a Romulan revamp not just in the sector space but also in the story and What maybe what we thought happened with the Hobus star in game isn't what really happened. And we're going to get to see that uh, play out here pretty soon.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 416 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and Daily Trek News, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com.
3: Before we go, here's the community questions for this week. Do you think Star Trek Deep Space Nine went further than other Star Trek series in dealing with hot button issues? And what do you think about the changes to special events and future featured TFOs? Captains, you know we love hearing from you.
2: Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod.
0: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek Multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or simply do a search for Roddenberry on your podcast aggregator. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights, now starting at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details.
3: And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and Lithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, old and new. Follow us on our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com.
2: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
3: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Podcast's Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets.
0: Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. And of course, Skiffy, thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of Priority One. Thanks for having me. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of this weekly show. And to our new community manager, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
3: Red alert. Shields up. Su. No. Engage. Engage.
0: Transfer complete.
3: Oh, this is Skiffy. Intro, sync two.
2: This is Anthony. Intro, sync three. I assumed I'd be third oh no he's i'm I'm third, I know because if I said it, he was gonna stop me and make you do it, and I didn't want it to be a thing, so I just said I'll just wait and be patient and do what I know he wants me to not do so he can make a big deal out of it, but I did it anyway, so I took it away from him, but then I started talking about it, so then I made it a thing, so anyway, let's move on. I'm not bitter about it, I'm not upset, nope, not at all. all right, let's go <clears throat> Skiffy, did you see that sincere uh acceptance of of what you did there from elijah
3: i heard him say something and i saw something out of the corner of my eye but yes
2: i've i've never (laughs) never experienced that either
3: you're so deprived (laughs) you know why because skiffy's a pro i have an ebby you know podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network